the sermon cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. So this week's Advent theme is joy, and on Saturday, uh, people that were watching the World Cup had some joy and maybe some disappointment. So what happened basically on Saturday in the World Cup was basically, you know the, the, the book, A Tale of Two Cities? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and it was this way for both of these games. It was like a tale of two games. Very, a lot of parallels between these games. You had a South American powerhouse versus a European powerhouse. So the first game was Brazil versus Croatia. And they go through regular time. Brazil really, honestly, for my opinion, kind of dominated the play. But if it wasn't for Croatia's goalie, uh, I think it would have been a blowout. Nevertheless, they get to the end of regulation time. It's tied. They go to extra time. This amazing play, Neymar gets the ball, dekes in through, puts it up high over the goalie, one nothing. looks like this is the winning goal. Everybody, I mean, the stands, there's Brazilian fans crying, there's all their face paint is like running off because of their tears. They are so happy, but it was short-lived. Croatia tied the game, then they go to, then they go to penalties, first kick, Brazil misses. And in the end, Croatia wins the game. Heartbreak for Brazilian fans, which I know we have many here. <laughs> then the second game, though, similar, parallel, sorry. We've got the South American powerhouse of Argentina versus the Netherlands. Argentina takes a 2-0 lead uh, into the second half, and it's, it looks like, hey, this is going to be a blowout. But the Dutch come back, tie the game, they go to extra time, no one scores, they go to penalties. Argentina pulls it out. Much to the joy of David Ocampos. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing with joy in those moments in sports. Joy can come and we can be just filled with just jubilation and we cheer and we celebrate with our friends and we party. But sometimes that joy doesn't last. Or if you know people, sometimes there's people, when they enter the room, they just bring joy with them. So Edgar referenced him being the joy to the world guy. Like, we can be sitting in a staff lunch and kind of sitting there and people are eating and having casual conversation, whatever. It's not nothing exciting. And he bursts in, joy to the world. And all of a sudden, everybody's laughing and Edgar just brings this, this joyfulness into the room, right? Or in our Gospel Life community group, which we host at our house, uh, we have a family there, um, the Schellenbergs, and uh, they have two beautiful little girls, and their youngest, um, she's only, uh, she's, I can't remember how old she is, she's really, she's a baby, she's crawling, she's not quite, not walking yet. But we've been able to babysit for them a little bit, but when she's away from mama, boy, those tears flow. And no matter what, especially if I come in the room, if she sees me, it's just like, ah! like just, and Carla's like, Paul, get out of the room. That you are not helping the situation. 
But then mama comes walking up the stairs and her tears just turn to joy and her face brightens up and she goes in mama's arms. There's certain people when they enter the room, they bring joy. Yet even in those situations, those people will let us down at some point or they will leave and the joy will leave with them sometimes. So is there anyone that can bring a joy that lasts? And all of you know the Sunday school answer. Jesus, yes. And if Jesus does bring joy that lasts, how does that work? So I think we're going to see some of that in our text today. In today's text, we see the very presence of Jesus bringing joy, even though he wasn't even visible to anyone in the room. But the people who recognize him and receive that joy have two consistent traits. They are humble, number one, and number two, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So the big idea for today's message is the humble receive joy from Jesus and give praise to Jesus. There's two points. Jesus brings joy, and Jesus fuels jubilation. So into the first point, Jesus brings joy. Luke, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. So those days are, are the days that she just received word that she is going to be carrying the Messiah. God's son is within her. She has been... Um, yeah, Jesus is in her, conceived of the Holy Spirit. But this is just days old. So in these days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So Elizabeth, her cousin, Zechariah, the husband. We looked at this passage earlier, or two weeks ago, when um, Zechariah is given word that Elizabeth is going to be with child. The angel comes and tells Mary about Jesus, but also says, also, your cousin, even in her old age, is going to be pregnant. So Mary goes with haste to their house. Now, we don't know really, we don't, aren't fully given the reason why she goes in haste, but you can consider in that day, a young girl, unmarried, all of a sudden pregnant, might be good to get out of town for a bit Wrap your head around what's going on. I mean, you think about the magnitude of the news that she's been given. Plus, she's told Elizabeth, also is in her old age, has been given a, uh, is being given a baby. So it's like, oh, there's somebody who can probably relate with what I'm going through. So why don't I head up to her place? And that's what she does. But this, this walk that she would have gone on, and remember, there's no rapid transit, there's no cars. Maybe there was a donkey involved but likely it was just walking. Mary, probably along with somebody who loves her for protection, her father, a brother, uncle, something like that, made her way up to Judah. And this was no short stroll. So this is about 140 kilometers was the distance. So that's like walking from here in Abbotsford up to Squamish. So this wouldn't have been a one-day journey or just a few hours. We're talking about a few days it was going to take to get there. So she does this, and she goes and sees Elizabeth. So verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. 
And Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So this really is a remarkable little piece here. And let's think about who's writing this. So you've got Luke writing this, right? After these events have taken place, after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Luke is writing this. Remember at the beginning of the book of Luke, he says, this is for somebody named Theophilus, so that he gives Theophilus the evidence for knowing what he believes. So Luke goes around and gets the eyewitness testimony. So these events are being very likely recorded or given to Luke from Mary herself. So it's basically like first-hand knowledge we're seeing here. And so Mary recounts these events to him. And what does she say? She tells Luke, basically, look at this. Elizabeth, pregnant with a six-month-old baby inside her, the baby leaps for joy. Little baby John the Baptist. Recognized when Jesus entered the room. And yet in utero, John leapt for joy. Verse 43, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is Elizabeth, she keeps talking. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So Luke repeats the fact that John leaped for joy. And so the skeptic might go, ah, come on, flutters, you know, yeah, pregnant ladies feel things, but leaping for joy, an unborn baby, come on. Yeah, and it sounds unbelievable, for sure. But if you remember what Gabriel told them earlier, what Gabriel told Zechariah when he announced that John would be born to them, what did he say? He said this from Luke 1.15, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So tiny little baby, unborn John, filled with the Holy Spirit, regenerated by God to know who the Messiah is. And he leaped for joy because God the Holy Spirit recognized that God the Son was near. In other words, this is a Trinitarian event. God the Holy Spirit in John recognizes God the Son enter the room and God the Holy Spirit also then fills the mother. So John, you know, John's supposed to prepare the hearts of those who are gonna meet Jesus to come. That's John's job, right? So John there prepares his mother's heart even to receive her Lord as he comes. And how old is Jesus? Like Microscopic, days old, little Jesus. And yet he brings joy to the room, brings joy to the household as he enters. And this causes Elizabeth to then just be filled with the Spirit and to proclaim, and I'm gonna read it again, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me? 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then verse 45, and blessed is she, being Mary, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Elizabeth recognized the truth that Mary, even believing that these pregnancies were true, was extraordinary. And Mary is an extraordinary woman. There's no question about that. We don't believe that she is extra divine or that she has some extra amount of of creation in her or something from God. We don't pray to her to intercede for us as the Roman Catholics often do. But we should honor Mary as an extraordinary person, as a hero of the scriptures, just like we view people like Moses or David or Solomon or the apostles. Mary is extraordinary. But as extraordinary as Mary was, the big deal here in this room, the reason this joy comes to this household is Jesus. Even as a tiny little embryo, growing and forming inside his mother, his very presence changes things. Just him being there changes things. The story that a friend of mine recently told me just about how how the presence of Jesus or Um, the presence of the Holy Spirit in his people even can change a situation. Uh, So my friend used to serve in the Brazilian military and on one night he was working in a a certain city and him and a a friend are are kind of on on a nightly stroll. They're just out walking in the city that they're serving in and they're walking through the streets and they're just talking and, and my friend was a Christian, his friend was not. So they're just walking along, and and they look down this road, and there's people doing this ritual, this ceremony of some kind. And and these people were uh, what we call spiritists. Basically, they're people, there's a a spiritual practice, like a pagan worship practice, basically, in Brazil, and probably other parts of South America, and other parts of the world, too, where people go through these rituals to try to speak to the dead. They're trying to speak to their dead ancestors or somebody that they think it would be important to talk to. So they're going through these rituals on this street, and these, these two soldiers know that they're going through that, and they're staying, you know, they're not super close, they're, they're a ways down, they see them down the street. And as they're standing there talking, one of the people from the group comes running over to them and says, um, excuse me, is one of you a Christian? And so my friend says, yes, I am. And uh, the person from that group says, do you mind leaving here because... We're trying to speak to the dead, and we can't do that when you're near us. Think of the power of that. God the Holy Spirit within his people, God working through his people to even change the environment around them without them even engaging with them, without them going in there. They don't have to go in there and try to proclaim something over them. They don't have to go in there and tell them that what they're doing is evil All they had to do was be within 100 yards. Jesus changes things. Like in the great Christian allegory, the story by C.S. Lewis, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. In that story, there's there's a character named Mr. Beaver. 
and uh, in Narnia, so all these animals talk with the people and things like that, and these children come from our world into the world of Narnia. Mr. Beaver meets with these children, and they're asking him about what's going on around there. And he tells them about the prophecy of Aslan, and Aslan is, is uh, the allegory of, or the allegory is, he's the comparative um, person to Jesus. So Aslan is supposed to come, and I, Aslan is a great roaring lion. <clears throat> Mr. Beaver says this to them, wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. So is it any wonder that the Holy Spirit indwelt John would leap for joy at the presence of his Savior? would leap at the presence of his Savior because Jesus is making all things new. And that process brings joy. Not a temporary joy that melts away when the wrong team scores, but a permanent, life-changing, heart-renewing, peacemaking, evil-defeating, new creation-making joy. This is the joy that Jesus brings. So when his people get together, when his people go out into the world without much effort, they should be bringing joy. Wherever they go. So I know some people probably right now, even in life, aren't going through a time that's very joyful. Maybe you're going through some really hard things. So does this mean that when Jesus brings joy that everything should just be happy clappy all the time and I should just not acknowledge the realities of things going around us and how the world's falling apart or how my health is failing or how my loved one is going through these super hard things in life? Should I not acknowledge that? Should I just be like, oh no, if I'm just positive, it'll all go away? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about... A, like, I, like I said earlier, a life-changing, heart-renewing, peacemaking, evil-defeating, new creation-making joy. Because the thing is, even though Jesus was present in his ministry and now he's present with us by his Holy Spirit and he promises to come again, he has inaugurated his kingdom. We don't have the fullness of his kingdom yet. And until we have the fullness of that kingdom, we won't be able to experience that perfect, everlasting joy until that happens. Until he brings his perfect kingdom. So we will experience sadness. We will grieve when deaths occur. We will experience disappointment, betrayal, poverty, Abuse, natural disasters, racism, violence, disease. These are all part of our world right now, and our world is still broken under the weight of sin. But the Savior has come, His kingdom has begun. And now, by His Spirit, He indwells His people to bring that change into the world, to bring that 
joy that comes from within us, from the fact that we have been forgiven of our sins, from the fact that we have been shown who the Savior is, and to bring that gospel joy and gladness to the world around us. So a good example of the difference between um, kind of kind of the joy that we have in the Lord and, and kind of a, a temporal, temporal joy that the rest of the world might experience. A good example of that is when you go to, if, if you look at different funerals that happen. So when you look at the, the funeral of a believer, where most of the people that are coming in there know that the person was a believer and loved the Lord Jesus, yes, there's sadness, yes, there are tears, but when they go to the fellowship lunch, there is laughter and joy and remembering the good things and, and all the food that people want to eat gets eaten. Lots of food gets eaten at Christian funerals. Then you go, though, when in, in my previous ministry um, at Northview, we would, hope, we would host a number of funerals that actually weren't for believers. And as long as the gospel was able to be presented at the funeral, we, we allowed non-Christians to have their funerals there. And when this would happen... So say somebody, say the person who died might have even been a Christian, but most of the family wasn't and, the, and the, the surrounding community that knew her wasn't. We would host, we'd host the funeral and then you go to the fellowship lunch and there it was kind of a standing lunch, a, a buffet and, and like little sandwiches and little desserts. At those types of funerals, hardly anybody even went to the food table. They would kind of stand in the corners, little whispers, but the grief was palpable. See the difference? As believers, when we know the Lord Jesus and when we know that the person who died has, has known the Lord and that she or he is with the Lord, we can know that the resurrection is still to come and that that fullness of that kingdom, we will meet that person again. But if you don't have that hope, There's nothing but grief. So when we know the Lord, even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of trials, we know that he is sovereign and in control and we can rest in him and still have that peace and that joy that comes from being born again believers of the Lord Jesus. In Christ, we have a deep-seated joy in our hearts that allows us to honestly deal with our difficulties and to still find peace and rest and joy in fellowship together. So if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus and you know in your head that you believe in him, and yet your heart, you just, you don't feel joy. You come to church, you don't feel joy. You get together with Christians and you don't feel joy, you... Maybe there's gossip that happens. Maybe there's slander. Maybe there's lots of complaints. You should probably check your heart. Jesus is supposed to bring joy. And if in your friendship circles or when you come to church and you're surrounded by other Holy Spirit-filled believers, and in King Road Church, we have a lot of joyful Holy Spirit-filled believers If you can come here and not feel that, 
should probably have a good little quiet time with the Lord and find out why. In a room full of Christians, even in the midst of struggles, peace and joy should be expected, and that joy should lead to jubilation. So Jesus fuels jubilation. Verse 46, and Mary said, so Mary's going to exclaim now with a song, and this song is, um, is reminiscent of the Psalms, the way, that she, the way that she composes these words. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, being herself the servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So Mary's song, like I said, reflects the Psalms in, in, in its pattern and also sounds familiar to the song of Hannah from 1 Samuel 2. So 1 Samuel 2, Hannah is a woman who's unable to have children, but her husband also has another wife who's having lots of children, and that, that wife is kind of heckling her and giving her a hard time, like, like, what's wrong with you? You can't provide a child for your husband. Like, what kind of woman are you? Kind of thing. So Hannah is desperate and, and she goes to the, the temple and cries and says, Lord, I will give this child to you. If you can give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. And the Lord blesses that. And Hannah sings a song very similar to what Mary sings here. In other words, Mary's song displays a young girl who is full of joy and jubilation towards the Lord. So jubilation just is, is the expression of the joy. And it also shows that she's familiar with the scriptures. So verse 50 to 53, And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Hear Mary's words and how she recognizes how God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. She knows that in the world's eyes, she's nothing special. She's just a young Jewish girl, Roman Empire, Jerusalem. Like I know as Christians, we all are like, we want to go to Jerusalem. Or those who have been there talk about the, the trip they made to Jerusalem and how amazing it was. But I know as a, as a Christian, as a pastor, someday I would love to go and visit there. And we all look at that place as this destination. But in the Roman Empire, that was like the armpit of the Roman Empire. It was like spasm or you know, Yale, B.C., or something like that, a place where it's just like, nobody wants to go there. That's not a destination. And yet, here's this simple Jewish girl engaged to a carpenter. Luxury is not in her future. Fame is not in her plans. And yet, she is the one that God chooses to be the mother of the Messiah. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel. See how she, she compares herself. She called herself the servant at the beginning. Now she talks about the servant Israel. She's basically saying, I am now here representing Israel. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. 
And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. So Mary arrives there when John, the little baby John, is only about six months into the pregnancy, and she basically stays there until he's born. But instead of just referring to herself as a servant, she sees herself as representing Israel and that God once again is showing his mercy to his people. God isn't forgetting the covenant that he made with Abraham, as many people would have believed. He has not forgotten them. He is fulfilling his promises and this miracle is way bigger than anything that she could have ever imagined. Um, If you have um, an online streaming service, music service such as Spotify or Apple Music, there's actually um, this this organization, Christian organization called Seeds Family Worship. So particularly those who have young kids, Seeds Family Worship, look it up. They, They put scripture to song and they've actually taken Mary's song here and put it to music. And it's beautiful. So... Uh, It's a great way to memorize scripture, to lead your family in memorizing scripture. So use it. Seeds family worship. But see that Jesus fuels Mary's jubilation. Excuse me. Jesus, his very presence, the fact that he has come, that that the Lord has, has put him inside her womb, has fueled her joy, and she gives this jubilation to the Lord. She gives him praise. She gives him honor. She gives him glory. And you can imagine those days when she would have had to walk that long walk of those few days to Elizabeth's house. So teenagers, think about this. Young people, young ladies in particular, thinking about being a teenager, you know, 13, 14, 15, something like that. And you are visited by an angel, told that you were pregnant with God's son. Think about the magnitude of that. Think about the other issues you already deal with in life. Think about the the friend challenges you have. Think about the hormones raging in your body and you have nothing, you don't know what to do with that. Think about all the pimples growing on top of pimples. You've got all of this going on in life and now God comes and says, oh, and here's a baby. And not only just any baby, this is God's son, so you might want to be careful with him. This is a weight to bear, isn't it? Yet she's full of joy. She's full of jubilation because she knows that if it's from the Lord, and she's the Lord's servant, that this is going to be good. So God gave Mary everything she needed to get through all of that. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, he's going to give you what you need to get through it too. There are lots of things that are hard to explain. Yeah, it's true. Can life be really confusing when we've got social media and friends and parents all telling us different things? Yep. Are we being bombarded with lies around, from around the world from, from all of these media um, options on our, our phones and whatever that we take in? Are we being bombarded with things telling us that what we believe in terms of Jesus, in terms of God, in terms of the scriptures, that this is foolishness? Yeah, we are being told that. 
So what do you do? Take heart. Take heart. Jesus is drawing near to you. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, he has drawn near to you. He has filled you with his spirit. He has regenerated your heart. He is transforming your heart and your mind. Not conforming you to the image of the world, but but transforming you more and more, day by day, hour by hour, year by year, into his image and likeness. Is that going to be a hard time? Yeah. The process of sanctification in the Lord is difficult, but he is with us. So don't let, the, don't let the, the, the hard things that are happening in your life or going around you destroy your joy. Don't let them destroy your joy. Know that Jesus is with you and that he keeps his promises. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you trust in the Lord, when you rest in him, he brings you peace, and joy, and rest. Jesus is making all things new. All those difficulties and troubles that you're experiencing now might seem limitless, might seem endless. Sometimes when you go through things in life or when your family's going through a difficult time, day by day, hour by hour, the time just, I mean, time seems to slow down like it's going half the speed that it should. But it will stop. It will come to an end. The hard things will stop, and joy is your eternal future. It's like in the Lord of the Rings books. The part I'm going to quote here isn't actually in the movies. But in the books, near the end, after the ring is destroyed, Sam, who's who's gone with Frodo through the whole ordeal, Sam is laying unconscious, and he is uh, recovering from all the whole ordeal. And then Gandalf shows up, and Sam hasn't seen Gandalf, so it's way earlier in the story. He thinks Gandalf's dead. Gandalf comes and says, essentially, hey, Sam, how you doing? And Sam says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? This is what Jesus is doing. He's making everything sad come untrue. He is making all things new. And that future perfection that he promises us is coming. So take heart. Know in your mind and your heart that that future is ahead of you. And that he is with you through the hard things. One day we will wake up in God's eternal kingdom and Satan's sin and death will bother us no more because Jesus will have made everything sad become untrue. But you will only experience that sadness becoming untrue if now you humble yourself 
according to his word. Confess your sins and give your life to him. The humble receive joy from Jesus and give praise to him. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your grace and your word. I thank you that we can come here, Lord Jesus, and that by your spirit, you, you gave Luke the call to go out and interview all of these eyewitnesses. I thank you that he was able to go and interview these eyewitnesses and get these firsthand accounts of, of all of these things that happened through the life and ministry of Jesus, even before he was born. Lord, it's an, it's an amazing testimony of your grace to us that you will reveal this to us so that we can worship you and we can see how people reacted to the news of the Savior coming and how they reacted in joy just by him entering the room. So Lord, I pray for those of us that right now have hard hearts against you. Lord, in our mind we know this to be true, but in our hearts we are feeling a, just a, a callousness Lord, for those that are feeling this, would you soften this heart? Would you, by your spirit, give them what they need for that hard shell to break off? Lord, convict them of their sin, of their pride, of the feeling that we can do this without you. Lord, convict us of our lack of joy, Help us to deal with the things that, that aren't giving us peace. Help us, to, help us to forgive, to stop pointing fingers, but to actually look in our own hearts. Lord, it's a hard work to confess and to repent, but it is the call that you give to us. So I pray that for myself, I pray that for everyone in this room, everyone who's watching online, Lord that you would soften us, give us joy for you and joy with each other. So bless us, Lord, as we continue to worship you, as we go into this Christmas season, as we get closer to Christmas Day and we are celebrating with uh, parties and staff parties and family parties and neighborhood things and community events, Lord, give us that joy in you. Give us a time of rest and peace in this season. And draw us closer to you. I ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.